Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. How many unread emails do you have right now, Jen? 46. 46? You have double digit unread emails. Providing services every single morning here on Mornings with Taylor and Jen. This weekend, somebody in your house may need a bad joke, and we are here to help you out with that. You have a bad joke for us, Stephen? Yes, I do, and it, and it's Iowa-related. Oh, okay. good. What did the wagon say to the tractor? I don't know. Homie Colts are John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was bad. That's... Yep, thanks, Stephen. Good job. I need to balance it out with a good joke. <laughs> I just read this one. Do you know Cyclops had to close his school? Why? He only had one pupil. Oh, no. Stop! That's mythology humor. That's classic literature. Yes. Oh, well, we're all much smarter for having heard that, Taylor. It's highbrow. One, a unit. There's only one brow, and it's high. (laughs) With all of the jokes that Taylor can possibly handle, (laughs) Olivia's got a joke. A cow without legs. A cow without legs? I don't know. I don't what do you know. call it? Ground beef. <laughs> Ground beef. Good job, Olivia. Thank you. I always wanted to be on and talk to you guys. You did? And now you did. And now you did. I'm so glad you called and we got to talk to you. Yeah. Do you feel good now that you talked on the radio? Yeah. Oh, good. We do too. We're I'm so glad you called. So glad we heard from you. You hey. have a wonderful day. Okay, we're just acting out a Bible verse this morning. Mm. He says that God loves a cheerful giver. And right now, you are giving us your jokes, and you are making us, especially Taylor, very cheerful. That's exactly what that verse is about. (laughs) Hey, who's this? Naomi. Hi, Naomi. Naomi. Do you have a joke? Yep. Okay, go ahead. What do you call a fly without wings? I don't know. A rock. Because oh. <laughs> he ain't flying. <laughs> That's a good one, That's Naomi. That's good, Naomi. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. Okay, you too. How can it be bad and uplifting at the same time? Because it's a bad joke, and bad jokes are the best jokes in my book. What do you call a pirate with two eyes? I what? don't know. Lucky. What do you call a pirate with one eye? I don't know. Unlucky. What do you call a pirate with no eyes? I don't know. Pert. Pert. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. That took me like 30 seconds, I hate to admit, but I was like, oh, pert. It took me some time, too. You know, every once in a while, you can find something very helpful on social media. Not a lot. Every now and then, yeah. every now and then. Yesterday, I found something so helpful, I almost am just frothing at the bit to employ this in my own home. You found something that was edifying on social media. Well, it's going to help me anyway. Okay. Because it's going to help me win the temperature wars. In my home. Oh, okay. I mean, over the thermostat? I am the adult that's paying the mortgage. (laughs) So, I mean, I should win anyway. But I got two teenagers in my house, and they both have very different um, heating and cooling elements inside of them. I've got one that's hot all the time and one that's cold all the time. Nice. All right. But I'm the one that pays the bills. So you decide. So I decide, right? So the thermostat is set at a certain thing. Well, one of them always wants to mess with it. So I found this on social media. It's a picture of a thermostat as you're going into winter. And underneath it is a sticky note 
written by a very smart parent. (laughs) It says, before turning the heat on, do you, number one, have socks on? Okay. Yes or no? Do you have a long sleeve shirt on? Yes or no? (laughs) Do you have your underwear or pants on? Yes or no? (laughs) Can you see your breath? If the answer is no, no heat needed. All right. Now, if you answered no to any of the get, uh, the dressing questions, then go get dressed and still no heat needed. So basically no heat needed ever. Yep. But it looks like they have a choice. <laughs> I think it's pretty much inevitable. I mean, it's that time of year, isn't it? We just know it's going to start up in some households. Temperature wars. Different opinions on how warm or cold it should be. Different opinions on how much money you're actually saving by keeping it down one more degree. And it's tough enough when you're in the middle of it. But what if you're observing a temperature war? My husband and I and our kids when they were little were guests at a Thanksgiving celebration for a weekend. And the husband and wife were having a thermostat war. Oh. Yeah. And everybody in the extended family was frozen. (laughs) And nobody acted like they were cold. What? Nobody wanted to say anything because everybody tried to stay out of it. It was probably 50 degrees in there. Oh, oh, man. Oh, my word. So cold. You know how the whole family goes into one bedroom at night just because there's only, you know, four or five bedrooms mm-hmm. for everybody to sleep in? Right. We put winter hats on our children. <laughs> Ellie! <laughs> oh, my I goodness. I don't want to crawl into the stove with the turkey. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> move over. Exactly. Thermostat wars. They happen usually a couple times a year, mm-hmm. right before winter, right before summer. We're in prime time for the thermostat wars. That are right before winter. And Jen is facing a problem that we never thought we'd have to face. Temperature wars have gotten worse now that they're digital. Oh. (laughs) My husband works nights and he'll change the thermostat while he's at work. Oh. Oh. Get on the app and change it on you. Yes. (laughs) Wait a minute. He'll change it while he's at work and you're actually in the home? Yes. Okay, that's not fair. That just doesn't seem fair. fair. It does seem like the person who's actually in the domicile should be able to control the temperature of said domicile. You would think, but he'll look at the temperature. I'm the one that turns it down, and he's the one who wants it up. And he'll be like, well, I don't want it that cold when I come home from work. So. Wow. Oh, my goodness. We wake up in the middle of the night, and we're, like, sweating. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> You enter the thermostat wars. It's brother against sister, (laughs) husband against wife. It's too hot. It's too cold. We don't need anything on. No, we've got to turn it on now. I'm so uncomfortable. Is there a war in your house? I got to tell you, I have been born for the thermostat war. I have been shaped and prepared for this moment. As born ready. Because I was raised in a home where the philosophy was, whatever the weather is outside, you're already going to be dressing for it. So let's just make inside a lot like outside. Now, I I grew up in Texas, so it it, it didn't get super cold in Texas in the winter. So winter thermostat wars, you know, you set it to 65 and you're good to go. Now, in the summers in Texas. 65, huh? Yeah. You know, just wear a sweatshirt. You're good. (laughs) In the house, huh? Summertime, we'd keep it right around 82. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. And you just kind of lounge around, you know, you got your short sleeve shirt. You got your shorts going on. Because that's what you would wear outside. Yeah. So you might as well just go ahead and wear it inside. And we save so much money. 
We did, huh? My my parents did. So let me ask. I learned not to fight that battle. Let me ask. Lindsay, let you keep your house set at 82? No. Oh, no. No. No, we- no, 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 no. Think about it for a second with me, all right? Okay. Does your family have a movie quote or a movie that you always quote? Oh, yeah. Okay. So last night... I'm I'm directing Junie B at the Playhouse, and so I have a cast of let's say youngsters. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the people on my cast essentially range from about 25 on down to okay. 11. Okay, so different generation from me, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Except for sometimes I forget. So I'm I'm taking this moment, and it's a directing moment, it's a teachable moment, and I'm I'm literally teaching somebody how to fall off of a block, okay, that they're sitting on, and of course I say, okay, so you know it's like that scene in Princess Bride where you know the guy goes ha 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 oh yeah, yeah, you say uh huh. Did you get blank stares? They looked at me like, what? Oh, Jen. And now a couple of them were like... <laughs> I saw that on you know, YouTube like, once. Pity, I think there's a meme about that. Pity laughs. The rest of them just look at me and they're like, is that a? Is that like a comedy movie? Is that like a funny oh, movie? No. And I went, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? My whole life, my whole family, we quote The Princess Bride. My sister knows every single solitary word of that movie. So does my brother. So we speak in Princess Bride quotes to each other. I thought it was just like the law that after a certain <laughs> amount of time, you're required to have seen The Princess Bar- Bride to remain an American citizen. My movie quoting is now completely irrelevant. I'm so sorry. To an entire generation of people. It's a thing that happens in families. What is the movie quote that your family communicates in, Paul? Aladdin, when the evil Jafar talks to the uh, impatient servant, he says, Patience, Yago. <laughs> you sound <laughs> just like him. Our kids were running around with their heads off. They say, Oh, what, but, but, but what about this and what about that? And we got to go now. And I, knowing that we'd already had it taken care of and they didn't, we just simply said, Patience, Yago. <laughs> <laughs> and it always got them laughing or really frustrated with us. <laughs> hey, if they're laughing or frustrated, you're probably parenting right. I was thinking so at the time. I mean, sometimes the perfect way to communicate in the moment is using a movie quote. You can pack so much meaning into so little space. And it seems that families will latch on to a certain one and make it their own. You know how a woman loves to wear her shoes. And sometimes it's hard to decide which pair to wear. And you're putting on all those, you know, trying different ones on and kicking them off and putting new ones on. And, and then my husband will say... His favorite quote from Shawshank Redemption, (laughs) nobody notices a man's shoes. (laughs) I will say this. It ended up being a good thing. Okay. So I told everybody that you were South. I didn't tell them you were in Nashville, but you were in Nashville and something happened to you. We were going around visiting a bunch of different people in Nashville and everybody had meals for us to enjoy from local places. So well, that sounds nice. It's a nice little eating tour of Nashville. Well, it's free food. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> so first morning we go to this restaurant and for breakfast, it's like... There's green beans, there's fried chicken. For there's, breakfast? Oh, yeah. It was a good, heavy, hearty breakfast. Green then, beans? Green beans, yeah. 
That's then odd. For dessert, mm. banana pudding. Wait a minute. You had breakfast dessert? Breakfast dessert. I, I have to go to this place. But it's I, like. <laughs> I was so excited because I was like, I haven't had banana pudding in years. So we pack up after breakfast there. We go to the next stop, and these people have a barbecue lunch for us, and it's really good. There's this mm. awesome seasoned mac and cheese. Oh my goodness, that sounds fantastic. And then for dessert, banana pudding. No. Two banana puddings in a row. What are the odds? And you better believe I ate that banana pudding too. Okay, that's that's kind of interesting. Banana pudding for breakfast, banana pudding for lunch. Yeah. Well, the next day rolls no around. Way. No way, no way. We go to lunch. No way. And at this point, it's a running joke for us. And so we say to the people, hey, you're not serving banana pudding, are you? And it gets really quiet. And the guy goes, actually, I think this might be the best banana pudding in town. So we had to get it for you. I had banana pudding three out of five meals. That is so random. Of all of the desserts. Of all the desserts. Especially since one of them was for breakfast. Yeah. You had banana pudding three times. I mean, it was fun sampling because, like, there were some that had mushy wafers. There were some that had crunchy wafers. Yeah, but, but there were some that had, like, spices on top of it. Taylor, before this trip, when was the last time you had banana pudding? I might have been seven. I know! <laughs> Taylor got reintroduced to banana pudding when he was down south last week because at three out of five meals, you said they served you banana pudding. I was reintroduced several times. I became very <laughs> familiar with banana pudding. I just think such a random dessert to make sure that everybody's eating. I mean, that wouldn't be what I would serve as a crowd pleaser. So that's what we want to know. What is your crowd pleasing dessert? You know it's always going to go over well. This one actually came up because I made two mistakes. Oh. I used a box cake mix and I put too much liquid in it. So I had to scoop some of that back out. It ended up I had a moisture cake, so that was fine. And then I tried to put frosting on it and I messed the frosting up really, really bad. <laughs> and my daughter handed me a butterfinger. She goes, here, Mama, this makes everything better. And I went, you know what? It does. So I took a hammer. I smashed the butterfinger, spread it all over the top of the cake, and it's called butterfinger cake. It's been a hit ever since. <laughs> that's amazing. I take that to church, and it is the first thing that's gone. <laughs> you remember how to repeat the mistake? Yep. You really, really messed up the frosting. Now you have to really, really mess up the frosting on purpose? Yep, I do. Uh-huh. I do that really, really well. <laughs> Hey, Tammy, what's your crowd-pleasing dessert? Uh, banana pudding. <laughs> Is it really? Please, y'all. You just take some milk and some flour and some sugar, mm. and then you boil that up, and then you add a little bit of vanilla, mm-hmm. and then you just layer your vanilla wafers with some bananas on top and then the pudding, and then some more vanilla wafers, bananas, and more pudding, and then you bake it with your meringue on top. Now, my question for Taylor was, was your banana pudding cold or warm? It was cold, but the way you're describing it, I would. See, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> <laughs> I will not eat banana pudding that's been put in the refrigerator. And then did it have Cool Whip or did it have meringue? It didn't have either. I mean, it was literally like putting in vanilla wafers. Now we need to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm totally loving this discussion because Mm -hmm. we're talking about two of my favorite things, food and food that is sweet. And so we are asking about your crowd-pleasing dessert. You're always going to serve it, and it's always going to go over well. You can't eat very much of it, so but we do. Uh, It's uh, from scratch, German chocolate cake. Oh. Okay. So tell me how you make this German chocolate cake. So it's German chocolate. 
And then the frosting is a custard cooked at the coconut and the pecans mm. and sugar. and. I mean, it, it seems to me that coconut is a polarizing ingredient. You've got people who love uh, it and you have people who don't. Well, you probably have to know your crowd, but that's, okay. you know. That's what I'll bring to the table. I'll sit at your table. I was going to say, I, I got no problem with <laughs> I was coconut. Say, so do you not like coconut? <laughs> I love it. And I will sit at your table and I will eat all the okay. German chocolate cake with you. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty rich. <laughs> I'd give it a try. <laughs> all right. <laughs> You ever been sitting in a big group of people and you're positioned like perfectly between like two or three different conversations. So mm-hmm. you're kind of floating. Mm-hmm. But then you hear this tone of voice in one of them. Mm-hmm. And there's this like excitement and some energy and some emotion to it. And so you turn. And so you choose a conversation. I gravitated towards this one because I heard someone saying, I don't understand how he can live like this. With, I with, don't understand how he does this. Were they talking about you? No. Oh. This was... Somebody at this gathering talking about their friend, she said, he lives the zero inbox lifestyle. And I was like, what does that mean? Does he not have an email? What? What? And I know I was like, that that's insane. I can't like I I look at my email right now and I've probably got about 4000 emails in there. Not unread. Yeah. No, I've read them all. (laughs) Oh, well, and that was what I realized is I thought they were talking about someone who just deletes all of his emails so he never has anything in there once he's read it. I can't even imagine. She was talking about somebody who had zero unread emails. And I was like... I still can't even imagine that. Wait a minute. I do that. <laughs> you what? I, I, can't, I can't look at my inbox and see that there are unread messages. Like, I have to end my day sure with you can. <laughs> zero unread messages in my inbox. Sure you can. I can teach you how. That little, I see that little two in parentheses, and, and I got I to gotta go. I got to click on them. I got to make sure that I've gone through and done them. Really? That's not a thing that people do. Not just, this people. You just leave your inbox telling you, hey, there's stuff that you haven't read yet. Hold on. You can't even go and like just click on them so you've read it or just delete it so it doesn't show up in your inbox anymore. Hold on. I'm going to tell you how many times I apparently have done exactly oh, what boy. you're talking about. Um, how many unread emails do you have right now, Jen? 46. 46? <laughs> you have double digit unread emails. <laughs> This is a bit mystifying to me, but I I think it might come with a certain personality style. What are you saying, Jen? <laughs> I'm saying that you and I are different personality styles when it true. comes to our email inbox. I don't care if I leave emails unread. It doesn't matter to me oh, if man. I see numbers in parentheses. If I look at the subject line or the person and I'm like, okay, that's not important right now. I don't mind leaving it unread. I'll at least just like unclip, right click it and say mark is unread so that I don't open it, but it still isn't hanging around there for me. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I have learned these things living my zero unread inbox lifestyle. I'm on Taylor's side with the whole email thing. Thank you. But I actually take it one step further i can't leave any unread emails in my inbox either so you you actually go and you delete them either i will delete them or they have like their own personal home or folder that oh they my goodness too. Oh if goodness. i get more than about 10 unread emails in there it's like okay wait a minute i, I gotta take five minutes i gotta fix this wow hey um jennifer tell me what does your linen closet look like well jen i have five kids so every closet in my house is a mess okay okay (laughs) you have taken all of the frustration over the fact that you can't organize all those other places and you've applied (laughs) it to your email inbox that is quite possibly true i totally get it (laughs) so we've been talking about this what are you calling it 
the zero inbox lifestyle. Oh Not that there's no... E- I've got plenty of emails in my inbox, but they're all red. <laughs> well, I mean, right now, I think I've got about 12 that came in overnight that I haven't gone through and okay? read yet. Are you right? Can you breathe? Uh, I will be. I will be fine. It usually has to happen close to my lunch break that I finally get through all of those. But once that happens... I feel much better about myself. So you cannot have unread emails in your inbox. Don't it, don't it, like though that little number in parentheses. It, if there is a parentheses one after inbox, I'm upset. Well, Keisha got in touch with us. She's with you. Okay, thank you, no Keisha. No outstanding notifications allowed yeah. for anything. Her email, social media, anything. She's yeah. like, unless if I do, I feel like I'm leaving things undone. She says, yes. but this must be a personality thing. She says, because my husband is the opposite. His phone is a mess, <laughs> according to me. His outstanding notifications are in the triple digits, and I can't stand it. That's what she said. But this might be my favorite. We got, <laughs> we just got a picture from Andrea. That's all it is. It's just a picture. It is. <laughs> it says 19,152. No. Unread, unread no. Messages. You will. That is. You can't come back from that. That's that's over. Game over, man. You're done. I'm not a, an email perfectionist. I just don't like seeing that there are unread messages in my inbox. I want to make sure that they're read or that I've marked them as read or that they're deleted. You just described an email perfectionist. So, Taylor, do you need something to clean? <laughs> <laughs> I have a place that needs to be cleaned. You don't want me cleaning anything. Is it your apartment? Is it your house? Is it your inbox? My apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I have this philosophy. If you came to see me, come anytime. If you want to see the place, you got to make an arrangement. <laughs> the Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.